This podcast features adults using adult language, but you know, you got to grow up sometime. Hey everyone, you know what it's time for? Swans Crossing! It's our last day of putting a new roof on my house, and it started dumping rain. Oh, right. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's fun. We have entered... Uh, I'm, I'm recording now, FYI. Okay. We have entered the, the phase of the year, one of two phases of the year that are both called the same thing, which is January in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, one of those is in January when it gets unseasonably warm for yep. like a week or two. And the other one is in June when it just turns into winter again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so here we are in a lovely January day, and uh, my roofing crew got almost all of it done. Oh, that's <laughs> before the rain happened. But not all of it. Not all of it. They did get all the like waterproof papering stuff done. That's so, great. So, so you don't have should... water actively leaking into your house right now, is what you're telling me? Yes. Great. <laughs> that's good news. It should be enough to keep the underlying structure. Sound. Should, should At be. least damp. Damp or less. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. I love owning a home. <laughs> you you intentionally bought an old home. Like, I know. You were like, I like this old farmhouse. I'm going to buy it. I know, but it's cool. <laughs> it, it is cool, no doubt. I mean, a little, little wonky, yeah. but... It yeah. is definitely very wonky. Whereas I bought like a house that's less than twenty years old, and I'm and it seems like every time I turn around, it's like, oh, this the house settled more and yeah. things came apart. It is. I, I mean, I don't think it's possible to own a home without shit falling apart. It's just yeah. the never-ending money yep. suck. Yep. <laughs> yep. Speaking of never-ending money sucks, <laughs> you're so good at these transitions Thank into you. the podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, this has got to grow up sometime, a Swan's Crossing retrospective. I'm Libby Grant. I'm Nathan Kessler-Jeffrey. We watched episode 45, folks. Oh, man, did we? Boy. Ooh, boy howdy. Some things happened. <laughs> <laughs> the the sound the sound levels oh my God. in this episode are insane. You can't hear what people are saying half the time because there's so much screaming going on. There are 4th of July towers falling over levels of screaming. I actually think there are more there are more extras in this episode than there were in the 4th of July episode. Oh, for sure. Uh, the sound quality in this episode is better than this. is worse. Fuck. The sound quality. <laughs> I'm leaving that in. The sound quality in this episode is worse than the sound quality of our podcast, if that gives you some idea of how that's, bad. That's how bad it is, folks. Which is real bad. Oh my gosh. Um, let's go over your predictions from last week. Please. You, and I can't wait to talk about the thumbnail. Oh god, yeah. You predicted that Barrick would have a, conversa- uh, a conversation with Jimmy explaining the jeweler's glasses. Not really, kind of. Nope. Um, you predicted that Sydney would bring Billy to meet Mila at Swans, and the Countess would interrupt. Sydney would have it worked out so that Garrett would be there to comfort Mila or whatever. I'm going to give you that. It's mostly, mostly it's correct. mostly true. Not much glory in JT in this episode. That was untrue. 
And Callie and Saja would be hot on the trail of the cotton balls. Sadly, no. Nope. I think we, we might just leave the cotton balls alone after this, in fact. Of course. Of course <laughs> the cotton balls will never come back. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> I mean, they, they do come back a little bit. But they're not as important. <laughs> well, we open on... No, wait, wait, Oh, yeah, sorry, the thumbnail. So, let's talk about the thumbnail. Yes. We get a shot... Uh, the shotfactory.tv thumbnail for episode 45 is a shot from behind the counter at Swan's Cafe, and everyone seems to be mobbing towards the door, including somebody in a bright orange jacket, which I assumed at the time was Nancy. <laughs> um, it's difficult to tell, because in this thumbnail, everyone is facing away from the camera. There is not a single person with their face towards the camera. It's great. Yeah. My <laughs> assumption was that Billy Gunn was getting mobbed with attention at the door. Turned out I was right. Yeah. Pretty much. We open on Cornelia Booth speaking with the Countess in the Countess's home in an outrageous Italian accent. And it took me a few moments to figure out this is not Garrett and Glory's mom letting her hair down and putting on her, putting her Duolingo time to good use. But rather, this is supposed to be an entirely different woman. That... That's the same actress. Yes. Playing a different character, also named Cornelia. No, no, no. no. Oh, okay. I, all I all I got was that her name was Baroness something. Yeah, it's Baroness Contadini, one of the Countess's old friends from Italy. Uh, as you can tell by all her over the top references to Rome and Italian things. Yeah. Um, but it's the actress who plays Garrett and Glory's mom. Well, it has been so long since we've seen her. That I can understand them just slipping her in because, you know, frankly, exactly. we've forgotten. She's already on the payroll, you know. Yeah, exactly. They're not going to go audition another, you know. It's a Friday episode. We're going all <laughs> out. We got everybody in the cast plus a bunch of extras. We might as well. I also thought maybe this is the same person, but she's got this whole second life that her family knows nothing about. Like, if that's the case, that would explain why Garrett is so screwed up. He's got two distinctly different fathers and his mother leads a separate existence in Italy. Listen, I would not put it... Pa I feel like they're setting up a season two thing. <laughs> evil twins all around. You get an evil twin, and you get an evil twin, and you get an evil twin! <laughs> anyway, the Countess is showing off the mansion. They happen to be in Mila's bedroom, since that's the only set piece we have for the Rosnovsky home. The Baroness says, it would make the Medicis weep, and I think that's an understatement. I literally had that same note. I was like, <laughs> I think you're absolutely right. It would make the Medici's weep. Uh, she says she says it reminds her of the Piazza San Marco, which I was like, I'm not even sure if that's a real place. But I looked it up. It is a real place. And it does have sort of the same pink hue. Oh, yeah. okay, great. Someone did their research. Yep. Every once in a while, I put in some work to this podcast. <laughs> the Baroness talks about how innocent and sweet everything looks, just like Mila herself. And the Countess comments on what a darling angel Mila is. So you can be sure we're setting up the big reveal of Mila's new rebellious rock star ways. I I love the moment where the Countess switches over to speaking in Italian. And the Baroness is like, ah, 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 when in Swan's Crossing, Romans do as Americans do. Well, the Countess tells the Baroness that she has to come to the Garden Club Banquet, which used to be held at the Country Club, but they've changed the location. And she pulls out a piece of paper. So this is the note that Sydney wrote to her. Ah. ah. She reads out in disbelief, Swan Soda Shop? It's, it is the 
the the a line reading with the confused disdain that only this actress playing the countess can muster. She's so good at that. It's amazing. <laughs> Feathers. <laughs> Feathers on the Swedish meatballs. <laughs> We cut over to Glory asleep with her teddy bear wearing so much blush. <laughs> Just a truly a stand. Like, she is made up for, for sleepy time. It's incredible. Ooh. She wakes up as Callie brings her a tray of breakfast, still wearing the bright metallic gold vest and the big earrings. This is a comfy breakfast look if I've ever seen one. Oh, yes. Uh, more foam toast. Speaking of which, Garrett blows in and immediately snatches a piece of foam toast for himself. He mentions their parents are back. We know because we've just seen Cornelia in her her Italianate disguise. And Glory uh, told them that she had bonked her head while she was out cutting roses. And Garrett's like, come on, that's not the real story. And he keeps pressing her and stealing her breakfast as she's trying to eat uh, before Callie finally like drives him out of the room. Yeah, and he leaves on this weird line. Thanks for breakfast. I didn't think I was going to eat. I have a meeting at Swan's. Okay, two things. Yep. First of all, what the hell kind of 14-year-old boy has meetings? Yep. (laughs) And second, if you're going to Swan's, why wouldn't you eat? It's a restaurant. Exactly. You would definitely have breakfast. But back to your first question, Lily. Not every 14-year-old boy is helping his father with his cash flow problems. (laughs) That's true. Well, we cut to the tool and die. Jimmy and Barrick roll in. Jimmy's kind of mid-apology for breaking those spy glasses. Barrick seems totally unter- unperturbed by this. Really trying to play it off like it's not a big deal. And then Jimmy keeps pressing. He says, you know, I thought that they seemed like they were kind of special. And Barrick gets right up in his face and is like, lay off my stuff. <laughs> yeah, he just does like a total 180. It's crazy. Yep. Uh, here's an idea, Barrick. Maybe don't leave your spy equipment lying around in a shop. <laughs> Where two teenagers work. Oh my gosh. Especially if teenagers are the ones you're spying on. Right. You creep. Cut to the Rutledge Mercedes, speaking of Billy. Ralph is driving, Billy guns in the passenger seat, and Sydney, with her towering hair, is riding in the back seat among a mountain of supplies and luggage. I love how all of this stuff is, is like, strapped down with bungees. <laughs> and they're obviously on, like, some sort of, like, apparatus that, like, jiggles the yeah. car, <laughs> yeah. right? And there's a, there's a fan off camera sort of blowing. Yeah. It's so good. It's, like, classic 90s. Like, low-budget low film technology. It's so great. It's pretty awesome. Ralph makes Billy switch hats back, and Billy is extremely eager to get to Mila, whom he refers to revoltingly as the main event. Ugh. Get out. Uh, Sydney tells Ralph to use his pedal, and we get the sound effect of a gunning engine, and we cut to commercial. This is the second episode in a row that we've not had the theme song. I know. I'm thrilled. How dare you? (laughs) Apologies to Richard Winsler and Steve Lane. Your your song is great, guys. (laughs) But we hear it a lot. We do hear it a lot. When we come back, there is a full-scale riot outside Swans. It's like there are a bunch of sore losers trying to breach the Capitol. It is... Timely and topical. Excellent. Anywho. (laughs) The mob outside the shop is uh, filled with horny teens with Billy Gunn signs, uh, and they are making more noise than is humanly possible. Oh my god. The sound in this scene is so bad. The door to Swans is closed, and I'm not really sure what the commotion is all about because Billy isn't here yet. (laughs) Jazz is trying to, like, get through the the crowd to the doors so she can unlock the restaurant, she can't. Like, she can't even get into the edge of the crowd. It's that big and that, like, 
frenetic. She cannot penetrate the crowd. She gets pushed out of the crowd where she finds Nancy and Sandy uh, <laughs> asking when Billy's going to come to the soda shop. And and Nancy is holding a paper where one of the headlines reads, Billy Gunn visits Swan's Crossing or something like that. Oh, no, no, no. The headline actually says, because we get a close-up on it later, Billy Gunn fires into town. <laughs> but also, I, I put in my notes... Someone goes past the camera carrying Nancy Pelosi's laptop. <laughs> Obviously, that didn't really happen. You, I was just having fun. <laughs> were you Were you high during this watching? I was not. Okay. <laughs> I guess I was just feeling saucy and political. <laughs> Apparently. The crowd goes running camera left for no apparent reason, but they like run around Jazz, Sandy, and Nancy. And Nancy bemoans... <laughs> I hate being part of the throng, especially without an ETA. And then has to explain to Jazz what ETA means. (laughs) I love it, though. I'm really confused, though. Like, how does the crowd... Okay, obviously, the crowd knows Billy Gunn's going to be there because it was in the newspaper. How did the newspaper know this? Because, like, Sydney and Mila supposedly were going to keep it super quiet. I guess we have to assume Sydney leaked the info. A thousand percent Sydney leaked the info. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. That's... There's no other possible explanation for this. Yeah. Jazz also points out she can't figure out why everyone's freaking out now because Billy Gunn was there a few weeks ago. I think it was more like maybe one week ago in Swan's Crossing time. I don't even think it was that long. (sighs) But anyway, nobody rioted then and he was like out in front of everybody and Sandy was like introducing him to people and stuff. So what the fuck? Anyway. I don't know. Apparently it gets in the paper and it's a big... You know what? Actually, that's true. When when one of our events at the theater gets in the local paper, all of a sudden tickets go crazy. So I assume assume that once it gets in the paper in Swan's Crossing... (laughs) That's how small towns roll, I guess. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, so anyway, we get the, the zoom in on the newspaper, Billy Gunn fires into town. The accompanying article is... Huge. It's so long. How does this merit more than like maybe a single column? It's like six columns. It takes up half the page. Have you ever read our local paper? (laughs) Okay, good point. I'm just saying, sometimes they are hard pressed for uh, actionable news stories. Can you really string that out into like an entire... Again, this was the (laughs) 90s when papers were still really a thing. (laughs) And they they had to fill the, they had to fill the space. I'm not saying I'm not saying it was a good article. I'm just saying I could easily see something that stupid being <laughs> that long. That's huge. Cut to Owen in the garage. Yay! We haven't seen him or the set for a super long time. We, yeah, we haven't seen Owen in ages. Yeah. Uh, Neil is reading a paper that looks like a loose leaf sheet of paper as Owen seems to be getting things ready to see Billy. Specifically, he's looking for a tape marked Final Cut. That's one of my favorite Pink Floyd songs. <laughs> we Neil is mooning about losing his best friend as Owen is trying to rush out to see Billy. He doesn't want to be late. And Owen's like, you had a fight. It's not the end of the world. And Neil looks practically like dead at the camera and goes, yeah, it is. <laughs> Some intense Neil work. A, mo- a more teenage guy thing was never said, Neil. <laughs> It is kind of sad, though. And he was really, like, he's play- Eddie Robinson plays it really, really well. He's yeah. super upset. Yeah. And I <laughs> I wrote in my notes, I can't stand this untenable fission of the buckyballs. Fission of the buckyballs is the title of this episode. Neil starts reading from the paper in his hand. It's a note from JT, which says, Friendship is based on trust, and maybe Neil will be a great scientist someday. 
But he'll never be a friend. Because work is more important than anyone's life to Neil. I mean, he's not wrong. Nope, he's not wrong. (laughs) We cut to Glory's room, where Glory still hasn't eaten any of her breakfast, which I assume is because it's inedible. Uh, It seems like, I mean, it's probably the same breakfast that they had in the last time. (laughs) I'm sure it is. uh, Anyway. Uh, seems like she and Callie are playing with the silverware as JT walks in with a big bouquet of flowers for Glory. Again, I want to point out, no one in Swan's Crossing ever knocks. I know, it's weird. Uh, the flowers, <laughs> JT says, I picked them on the way here. They have roots coming out of the <laughs> bottom of them because he thought she might want to replant them. And this really is one of the saddest looking bouquets I've ever seen. It is quite sad, but it's also really funny and it's just hilarious that he's like you know what i'm gonna just rip these flowers out of like other people's yards or whatever yeah yep. <laughs> that's so they, great they get cute and callie excuses herself by grabbing the tray of uneaten breakfast to take to the kitchen and she goes i think i hear the tea kettle whistling jt responds i don't hear anything and callie's like <laughs> callie's looking at him like i'm obviously trying to get out of here so you can mac <laughs> and then she goes Well, it's on a special frequency only I can hear. (laughs) Glory mentions that she had a terrible nightmare that night. JT gets her to talk about it by holding her hand. It is a very sweet scene. Like, you can feel how worried JT is. It's especially sweet because their love theme is playing. Oh, yeah. Not the sexy sax music. That's coming in a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A a different love theme. Um, Glory tells him about the nightmare, which is basically just everything that actually happened to her in the snake pit. And she says she knows the men in masks were really after JT. She was up all night, and so was he. Uh, he says, rearranging his entire existence. Because the stuff he's working on with Neil is dangerous, so he's giving it up. And this, for some unfathomable reason, <laughs> upsets Glory. She gets really mad. She doesn't want JT to give up the project or his friendship with Neil. And she says the problems in Swan Crossing are pretty much all because everyone keeps too many secrets and doesn't trust anyone else. I mean, that's probably true, (laughs) but also most of the people in this town are not people you should trust. Right? Yeah, no, everyone's a turd. (laughs) They resolve this conflict somehow. I'm not sure how. It just resolves... And then the sexy sax music sweeps in as Glory pines for the poems that made her feel better. And JT goes, you know what they say, the poet's better than the poems. Did they say that? No one says that, JT. <laughs> no one says that. She leans in for a kiss, and he asks if she's hungry. Classic <laughs> JT moment. <laughs> Probably my favorite moment of the episode. This is like sexy sax music. She's leaning in, and he goes, are you hungry? Also, I would just like to point out, as an aside, I know a lot of writers I think in zero cases is the poet better than the poems. Oh, yeah, no. Always the poems are better than the poet. Writers are obnoxious, stupid people. (laughs) I'll be the first to say it. We just high-fived over the microphone. That was the sound you heard. Yep. Um, At Swans. This is an audio medium. At Swans, now in the interior, the crowd screams and surges as the doors open, but it's only Saja, who enters with his hands up as if he's about to be shot, and asks Jazz if she's seen Callie. (laughs) He, He says... We were supposed to hook up. (laughs) Whoa. In your dreams, Saja. (laughs) He does find Garrett, who's sitting at the bar without any breakfast. Garrett, you can order some food. (laughs) Well, given how busy Jazz is and how harried she looks, I'm not fully sure that he can. That's true. 
Uh, Garrett says he forgot to find Callie because of all the drama with Glory. Saja asks what he's doing here since he's not much of a Billy Gunn fan. And Garrett says he's waiting for the bullets to fly. (laughs) And at that moment, the screams erupt as Billy comes through the door with Ralph and Sydney. (laughs) Ralph looks completely at sea in a swarm of teenagers, and it is hilarious to me. (laughs) It is really good. Sydney sort of moves ahead of them and sort of gets in front of the crowd. She pauses and stares across the restaurant at Garrett. Cut to commercial, and when we're back... Sydney's giving Ralph some kind of instructions, which no one can hear because of all the screaming. And Ralph literally, uh, based on these instructions, begins to shoo the teenagers away from Billy by saying, literally, shoo, shoo. Well, it kind of works. Yeah, I mean, it kind of does. They give, give Billy a little bit of space. But they follow Billy across the cafe to where Mila stands up, and Billy, in the most lechy way possible, is like... Now, this is worth waiting for. Oh, that was an Australian, and I apologize. You know what? It was it was exactly as British as Billy Gunn's actual <laughs> accent. In fact, as I was watching this episode, Paul was sitting over on the couch. I was at my dining room table, and he said in the middle of this scene, Is that guy supposed to be British? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, he's supposed to be. <laughs> Now, this time, I do want to point out that in addition to the black leather outfit that we saw Mila in in the last episode, Mila has these adorable, like, black round sunglasses on that I I do think are actually very cute on her. Yeah, they are very cute. They're a little, like, John Lennon size. Yeah. Little itty bitty round shades. Mm-hmm. They're pretty cute. Uh, we cut back to Owen's garage. Neil is holding him hostage with his sad story about the demise of his friendship with JT. He sadly remarks that he's going to have to carry out his most critical experiment today, on his own. Neil offers to help push buttons. <laughs> and and Neil turns him down because it, quote, requires coordinated effort from a specialized team. Yes, it's a very delicate operation that only he and JT could do. I, I mean, the thing that I love about this scene is it's really obvious Owen is trying to make Neil feel better in spite of the fact that Owen would really like to be somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 pretty well played. Owen's like, oh god, just okay, alright buddy. <laughs> uh, they head out, Owen wishes Neil luck, and that seems to have a bit of an encouraging effect. Yes. Cut to the tool and die. <clears throat> Callie comes in, finds Barrick working. She says she's giving JT and Glory some space. <clears throat> and Barrick gets super gross and inappropriate about that line. Ugh, it's weird. Um, Barrick asks uh, why she's not over at Swan's because Billy is going to be there and they play his CD endlessly, especially, quote, Steal Your Thunder, <laughs> which is a song Barrick has a special loathing for. Ah, Jimmy asks if Barrick's going to let them go even though it's work hours and he makes a bunch of Weird and appropriate references to slavery. Yep. <laughs> it's kind yep. of uncomfortable. It's a lot of, there's a lot of things to unpack here that are inappropriate. And yeah. we're just going to gloss right over them. We are. He says, uh, yeah, let's call it a slave break and Ooh. sends them off to swans. So Jimmy and Callie take off. Barrick watches them go with an expression that says, maybe he's got some spy shit to do. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I wish I had given that direction. I need you to watch them like you've got some spy shit to do. 
like every once in a while, I really wonder how how the rehearsal and filming process went for these. Outside the shop, Jimmy comments that he never thought Callie would leave Barrack alone and wonders if she doesn't think he's up to something. Callie asks why he's leaving in the middle of the workday, and Jimmy admits that things got a little charged between him and Barrack this morning <laughs> because Barrack's pissed off about Jimmy messing with his things. So she encourages him a little bit. They they call a truce. Yeah. So the, the Callie-Jimmy fight seems to be at least uh, temporarily over. And uh, she seems quite pleased that her plan for getting Jimmy back on her side seems to be working. Uh-huh. So that's nice. Back to the cafe. Things are cacophonous. Yes. And this scene starts with Mila making kissy lips at Billy. Oh, so gross. It is so gross, Mila. Uh, Mila, don't do it. And he says again that this was, he said it was worth traveling six time zones for. Yeah, I bet it was easier to get to Swan's Crossing than Thailand or the Philippines, right? Oh, you gosh, fucking scumbag. You creep. Ugh. Mila, see, Sydney introduces Mila as Desiree Passion. Desiree Passion, which, by the way, you can barely hear over the crowd. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, I think what she says next is. As in Desiree and the Cool Swans. Very close. She actually says Desiree and the Cruel Swans. Nice. Nice. That's way better. That's that's her band name. (laughs) Uh, Mila gives Billy a peck on the cheek, which is disgusting. Yeah. Uh, And then he says, what's a cool swan like you doing in a place like this? And she goes, learning to spread her wings and fly. Billy asks if she'd like a Coke, which I'm sure he's going to roofie. Sydney rolls her eyes so super hard, and then she turns to look at Garrett, who's standing on that weird platform thing in the back of Swan, so he is looming above the crowd. Okay, sorry, hang on. Let's go back for just a second. You think he asks if she wants a Coke? Yeah. Because I think he asks, do you want a co-pilot? Oh, Is I think what he said in response to her spreading her wings and flying. That's what I heard. Okay. Do you? I'm gonna spread my wings and fly. Do you want a coke? It doesn't make less sense than anything else that's written. You're in the absolutely show, so. right. You're absolutely. But right. I'm going with yours. Yeah. That is now canon. Okay. Excellent. <laughs> we get to decide canon mm. because we have the podcast. That's right. <laughs> Garrett standing on that platform, literally looming above the crowd. He has the most pissed off expression on his face we've ever seen on Garrett. He looks like he just got all his pogs confiscated on the playground. <laughs> Pogs, here's the thing. Pogs were after my time. I mean, they were probably, we're about the same age. So they're probably a little bit after your time too. But you you actually went to like a real school. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. I think you missed the Pog craze. Yeah, I really did. Uh, we cut to commercial. When we come back, JT and Glory have arrived at Swan's Soda Shop slash cafe. And JT is coming to grips with not being able to ha- get a nice quiet breakfast. Yeah, and, and uh, he suggests that maybe they should leave. Glory says no, because this feels normal. No, it doesn't. Nothing about this feels normal. No. Owen arrives and explains that Billy is here, which is why there's such a crowd. Uh, and then goes on about how he might, almost didn't come because he was going to go with Neil. Neil said something about doing important work, and JT starts to look very worried. Oh, yeah, um, and like over JT's worried face, you can barely hear... The musical Doom Sting. You can't really hear it because everyone's still screaming, but it's there. Yeah. Billy and Owen, uh, there's more screaming about Billy. Owen is swept away from the rest of them. JT expresses his fear to glory that Neil might be testing the heat shield. And then they go running after Owen. What Owen says right before he gets swept away, again, very difficult to hear, but he says, 
Neil was heading for the minefield. The minefield. There is a minefield in Swan's Crossing. Obviously. I mean, why not? There's a snake pit. There might as well be a minefield, too. I can't. I don't... Uh, We cut over to Billy talking about how cool Mila looks and that her own mother wouldn't recognize her. And Mila says, as long as you recognize me. And he goes, I do. I really do. And then he leans over her at the lunch counter. Oh, it's so gross. Just get away from her, please. Cut across the restaurant to Garrett, who's accosting Sydney. She says it may not look like it, but she has everything under control. And she looks across the set and smiles evilly, just as the Countess and the Baroness come in. They're both very excited that so many young people have shown up for a presentation on peonies. <laughs> so good. The Countess isn't immediately seeing Mila, so Sydney starts pushing Jazz, who screams for Mila, and Mila turns around and is like, What? <laughs> immediately stands up like disguise 100% blown yep and the baroness is like that is your daughter (laughs) countess pushes through the crowd she snatches the black leather cap from mila's head and makes all of her blonde hair fall down and mila blurts out mama and then what does the countess say she she says you are beached for life, but Mila steps on her line with, do you mean grounded? Beached. I yeah. could not understand that word with all of the stuff that was going on. She drags Mila away by the arm, and the Baroness approaches Billy and says, you would make a lovely souvenir. Okay, I, cougar. Yeah, I hope this hookup happens. It's hilarious. Yeah, that would... Yeah, that would be way better. Also, Nancy and Sandy are, like, right there, and they're so shocked that it was Mila all along and the rock star get up. Like, come on, dude. It's <laughs> obvious. Yeah. Come on. Um, Billy asks them what just happened, and we cut over to Garrett, who is smirking and congratulating Sydney. Now she ha- and tells her she now has to keep Billy from chasing after Mila uh, using her secret weapon. Her charm. (laughs) She goes over to Billy and asks if she can get him anything to calm him down. Perhaps some mineral water from France. (laughs) Good burn, Sydney. (laughs) And Billy says he's never seen anyone go up in smoke like that before. Just then, we hear an explosion. Uh, JT goes running off shouting, Neil! (laughs) Cut to an indeterminate location. Do you want to describe what happens? A bunch of styrofoam blocks intended to look like cinder blocks are like piled up on top like in a pile and it's a pretty close up so we don't we obviously they're trying not to not to reveal too much of the set but uh there there's a couple that are still falling and we see Neil's hand and then the camera like moves up the pile and we see Neil's unconscious form under these pink they are still pink styrofoam blocks supposed to look like cinder blocks. I'm not even sure they're supposed to look like cinder blocks because it really looks like somebody took a bunch of those foam like coolers you can get for five bucks at the grocery store, spray painted them pink, and then just broke them up. <laughs> That's yep. great. That's exactly but what But we freeze like. frame and roll credits over this disaster. Yeah, Neil. Neil is... Ugh, Neil is in danger. You didn't see that coming, did you? I did not. Yeah. I did not. Well, who is our psychopath of the week? Um, I mean, it's a, it is a it is a tough one between Billy and Garrett, because they're both very psychotic. Yeah, I gotta go with Billy though. You he's always just... go with Billy. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> he's just right out in the open about yep. all of his predatory yep. ways. It's gross. So, Billy Gunn, psychopath of the week. Swan count. Do we count 
Desiree and the cruel swans as no. an imaginary swan? No. Okay. No. But we do have the bed swan and the like swan at the soda shop. Okay. So we have two new fake swans. So that brings us to four imaginary swans, 24 actual swans, and 112 other swans. Nice. Yeah. Nice. All right. Okay. Your predictions. So there's no hospital set. So I think the next time we see Neil, either... JT has just arrived at the scene of the Cinderblock explosion, or we get a recovery scene where Neil's, where JT's family is taking care of Neil in JT's room, essentially. Uh, so JT, Neil is recovering in the hammock. <laughs> I think we get a, li- we have to, we have to somehow get Billy Gunn out of Swan's Crossing. So I think Sydney spends next episode dealing with that as Garrett tries to like maybe he like climbs up a ladder to mila's bedroom to comfort her quote unquote in the next episode sydney also probably sees mila and talks to her in the next episode i bet we get another one of those scenes where mila has to have like a confrontation with her mother about her behavior i think we never see the baroness again (laughs) no they, they made a costume for her she's probably in the next episode and I think I think we would probably get some scenes of the aftermath at Swan Soda Shop with with Nancy and Sandy and Glory there. Well, whatever happens next week, it's sure to be action packed and full of drama. <laughs> Is it? Yes. Is it sure? <laughs> Thank you to Richard Winsler and Steve Lane for the use of our theme song, Gotta Grow Up Sometime, from the hit show Swan's Crossing. And if you want to find us on social media, we're on Twitter at Gotta Grow Up Pod and on Instagram at Swan's Cross Pod. I will never get it right. Never. It's uh, like your dedication to not getting it right (laughs) is the best part. That's my brand. (laughs) Just ask my agent. We had a talk about this a couple days ago. (laughs) Gosh. (laughs) My agent is Jack Goldbrick, by the (laughs) way. Jeez Louise. Uh, and until next time, friends, may your bucky balls remain forever fused. <laughs> Feeling hungry? Garrett ate my breakfast.